We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Hello and welcome to episode 38, Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I am standing at 6'3 and 3 quarters, 210 pounds lean. (laughs) My name is Dustin Redazel. And joining me is my esteemed co-host, and he might make our combined weight 380. It's Tommy Cooksey. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. I'm not going to try to do combined height. I wish we were on the metric Definitely system. Definitely over a lot 10 easier. feet tall together. <laughs> yeah. Just. We could dunk. Just a bit. Yeah, we could see above the rim. Um, 38. We're in it. I'm not sure how many weeks we've been, uh, how many weeks there are in, a, in in the year thus far, but I think we're doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to, you know, if we land around 45, we put in some work this year. Flexing the old conversation muscles, which spe- good. speaking of, um, I was really, really enthralled with Trent's stories last week and he was he was kind of nervous about it and i was like dude excellent storytelling just really good good timing i mean it was it was great i really enjoyed it and if you know if if you're listening to this one and you missed the last podcast we talked with a buddy trent talent Uh, a lot of it was around you know physical training but also how that has left kind of a lasting impact on some life lessons and some kind of mental and psychological things. We still didn't get around to the moment that he had when he was swimming, you know, two miles. Uh, Mm. But I'll have to catch up with that one. As we say in the biz offline, Uh, because I'm really interested to hear what he had to say about that. But yeah, if if you're listening to this one, you didn't get, get get that one. I highly recommend to listen back. Yeah. And any regular listeners of the podcast will know this. The guest episodes are really, the best episodes. Yeah. Not because there's anything wrong with you and me. I mean, come on. We're, we're the meat and potatoes. But the dessert of having someone with unique experiences on. I mean, there's a reason all those episodes are pushing up against two hours. And when it's you and me, it's like, <laughs> it's been a good 30. It's been See a you. good 45. See you next week, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, if with with Trent, who's who's run an Ironman, that doubled the number of people I know that have done Ironmans. The other yeah. one is is um, you know Renee. I think Renee's done one or a couple of Ironmans. Fulls, huh? Yeah, full full yeah. Ironmans. Yeah. Wow, I was yeah. not aware of that. I mean, gosh, Renee is just more and more interesting. All the time. Let's get him on the podcast. We really should. 
Yeah, I think Trent's probably the first person I've really known personally. Yeah. Like I've I've crossed paths, right? Like there's a guy I talked to, uh, a mortgage lender who, uh, check out episode 18, Matt Pittman. It's more of a finance real estate episode. Yeah. Who he hooked me up with once upon a time, who is like an elite level Mar- or Iron Man. Uh, and to Trent's point, he's mostly into bike racing and yeah. then does some other Ironmans. Um, but as far as like, do I actually know this guy? And I guess Trent's still just an acquaintance. But after somebody's come on the pod, I feel like I know him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's my first, first full Ironman guy I know. Yeah. And it's really impressive. I mean, it really is. Um, you don't think about it until you hear someone tell the story about it and you're like, gosh, 12 straight hours of just grind. Uh, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people have gotten some sort of indoor bike or taken up running since COVID started. Yep. And if you try to do any single component to even a, a quarter of what you would have to do. Like, just try swimming a half mile. Try biking 25 miles. Try running 10. Yeah. Right? Like, those things, they crush you. Like, those are like two-hour efforts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just really... It it almost seems impossible to me to think about, I'm going to ride the Peloton for five hours and then go run a marathon. Yeah. No, I don't know that I could. Back when I, Way back in the day when I was doing Run 21 in June, I would run a mile and then ride the Peloton for like 30 minutes, and I was like, that's good for the day. We're all set. But Yeah, speak, I was... Well, speak, last thing ahead, on this, ahead, just man. because like the, the numbers, right? I haven't... I haven't checked the numbers, but I was I was thinking about the fact that if everything goes the way I want to, I'll run my first sub four hour marathon in January. Is that, is that the goal? That's the goal. And you know, it was kind of the goal in Chicago, but I didn't know what I was doing and like I didn't have any sort of reason for that to be the goal other than like, eh, hey, it's a round number. Yeah. Now now I know what it is, I know it's achievable, I can like been the training to it uh but i was trying to like how is this impressive at all a sub four-hour marathon is there anything that like how how difficult is this thing and so 1.1 million people run a marathon estimated globally each year Mm -hmm. uh 43 percent of those of the men who do it and it's there's slightly more men uh, they run a sub four, but almost the vast majority of those people are repeat marathoners mm. who have run a sub four before. So when you just get into how many people are actually worldwide running their first sub four hour marathon, so they're breaking this plateau for the very first time. Everyone in the world knows what a marathon is. They run them in every country. And yet it is a number that is, you have to go off estimates here, but it's probably like 100,000 men on the entire planet are going to do that for the first time in an official race 
this year. Yeah. It's exciting. And it, oh, the decimal points on that, when you get into like a seven plus billion population, it's such a small string. So I was thinking about that in terms of Trent and the Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> and the Iron Man is such a smaller community. And it's such a bigger effort. It's like the number of people who actually know what that is. I was I'm rewatching the Matrix trilogy to boot up for this <laughs> Matrix 4 coming out in October. And at one point, one of the characters has a line. I think it's, uh, I think it's the old counselor, councilman at Zion to Neo saying, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And it might be the Oracle to, to Neo, yeah. but like he has walked a path that no matter what we know about endurance training, he knows something in a way that is so different than we can possibly know. Yeah. And I'm jealous of that deep experiential knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was a cool combo. Here's, here's a quick turn. The Matrix. I was never really in on The Matrix, and I got a lot of flack mm. for that. One, where are you watching it? Like, what, what platform of all the platforms is it on? It's on HBO Max. Okay. When it came out, we were probably, what, in high, middle school going into high school. Yep. I don't think my little lizard brain was quite ready to absorb what it was putting out there. Would yeah. I enjoy a watch back? Would I enjoy it if I watch it back? So there's two aspects of this. Um, one is definitely not as much as you would have because let's focus on the first Matrix. Uh, Reloaded and uh, Revolutions 2 and 3, they get a little too full. So like, what makes the first Matrix great is it's this incredibly high-end concept. And a la, it is shoved... like, Interstellar or one of these kind of... Yeah, right? Like, at this point, everybody understands life is a simulation. All of humanity is stuck inside their own minds experiencing a computer program that has full sensual expression as reality, and so you believe it is. And then a few people start waking up and realize they've been captured by machines and their bodies are living batteries. And there's this whole multi-century war going on between man and machine on a post-apocalyptic earth. But here's, it's all that. And it is shoved through this tiny little keyhole of an experience that is this, uh, this one little crew and this one guy who ends up if you end at the first one, we don't even know what he ends up being. We just know he's special, and he could be the key to humans winning this this mm-hmm. multi-century war. So the thing that makes the, the first one great is it is something big and huge and complex, and they just give you a spoonful of it. And yeah. you're just like, whoa, that blew me away. I would love to get some more of that. It turns out when you get some more of that in two and three, it's like, okay, it's, you know, I've I've had enough. (laughs) And then also everything that was, like the very first Matrix ever, I think anybody could defend the idea that it's one of the best movies of all time. 
for a lot of reasons. It's not just like the entertainment value, the action. Like it broke so many norms. Like you'd never seen the things they were doing yeah. special effects. I remember. I remember seeing like the behind the scenes on that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it was just like an all-time sci-fi. And then you know, so I'd say yeah, it it won't. It's it's still great. You watch that first one; it's still great. But a lot of the things that like people went and saw it in theaters, and their minds were just like blown out of their skulls. Yeah, like it's it doesn't land the same way, right? You're like, well, these effects seem kind of cheap. Yeah. Well, it's so like rewatching Godzilla, like the pound, original. Pound for pound, which is a better use of my time, because I haven't seen the second one. Is it Matrix or is it Avatar? They seem oh, similar concepts, not exactly the same, but yeah, Matrix is a better, better so, use of your time. All right, maybe I'll watch now it. Look, we'll see. Harry Potter was great. You, you, dude, I'll revisit Avatar when you, <laughs> you want to. You want to do an Avatar pod? Like, <laughs> what is it? Sixteen years too late. I mean, dude, it's, that was one of those movies that. <laughs> hey guys, join me and Tommy. Two weeks from now, we're gonna be breaking down Avatar, the James dude, Cameron film. I. Uh, so we went to Disney uh, back in February, I think it was. And the line for the Avatar ride is is pretty incredible. Like you guys are going down there, you'll probably visit some parks. Highly recommend prioritizing Avatar. But the line was like an hour and a half long, ninety minutes to almost two hours. And I'm like, oh gosh. I knew Milo couldn't ride it. Everett was up in the air. So we waited for forty five minutes, get there, and Everett's not tall enough. Mm. But they both have one of our cell phones. So I'm Annie's like, you go ahead, you ride the ride. And that was the most awkward, like, 60, 45 to 60 minutes of my life. I have no cell phone. I'm a single dude with a wedding ring on and a Mickey Mouse tattoo. I'm, like, standing in line, and I'm, like, no one wants to talk to me because I look like a creep. Like, I'm just standing, like, waiting by myself. It turns out the ride is fantastic. But I also uh, I also did get off, and I was like, I wonder how, how old is this movie? Like, And I was like, this is – I've way past I've, – I've, like – it was one of those ones where I was like, I'm going to watch this one day. And then, you know, Just, slowly, slowly almost two decades creeps up and you're like, never got around to that one. Never got around uh, to it. I just checked it out. Turns out it's actually much more recent, 2009. So. Okay. Uh, okay. So just a little over a decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm still, as a baseball fan, I still haven't seen Field of Dreams. So I guess, you know, I'm not, if there's one thing I don't know, it's movies. As uh, Avatar is not a bad comparison point because, like, as a comparison, like Avatar has much better, uh, much better effects in general Mm -hmm. than the Matrix, right? By by the fact that it's a decade later, yeah. But in no way does it stand up as a movie. So if you like can accept all the things of like, hey, those were just the times, yeah. Like the the concepts and the story and everything, Matrix yeah. is the ticket. Uh, but I didn't realize Avatar Two is coming out in 2022, so I'll probably I'll give it a rewatch soon. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for an Avatar All breakdown right. session. There's some good themes in there that uh, you know part of what Cameron's going for was some political statements and 
you know, xenophobia and there's some, it's basically like a race allegory. So yeah. we could probably. And you, you are dropping some terms from uh 11th grade English class. And I'm like, I, I, I know half of what they mean. Like I partially know what they mean. What a, ling- uh, what a linguist. Well, what a linguist. Well, we, we won't overhash it. I mean, I'm sure people are just begging for us to spend five more minutes on. Probably not. Maybe or maybe not rewatching Avatar. <laughs> let's let's just spin to the next track then. All right. Uh, quick aside, maybe this is a good pivot. Yeah. How did Everett handle not being tall enough for the ride? Was he crushed? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, it was a little bit tough, but fortunately for cell phones. They were just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm fine. I'm watching Disney on my cell phone. That was one of the one of the times where you know when you get in those long lines, you just have to kind of suck it up. But yeah, he was a little bummed, but he didn't really know what he was missing, you know. True. And it was a selfish move by me, <laughs> admittedly. Uh, the only reason I stuck it through was when we went we went a couple years ago. So we've we've planned it where we've went before each boy turns three, even though they they're not gonna remember it, right? They're free. They're free before three. They don't cost any money. Uh, so it's like, well, it's just a you know a little bit of food here and there, but you know it's not bad. Man, so. Disney so smart with their great loss leader though. Oh yeah. They, you're taking those pictures. The kids are gonna see it, and they're just gonna believe that Disney's this thing they gotta do. You know, I am so shocked that you've never been before. And I'm so excited for you to visit it as a grown person. I'm ready. And I'm, I'm doing it in the full, no child companion. I'm just going to be an adult in Disney World. You'll very quickly, you guys will turn around and take your kids. I hope so. Almost guarantee I, no, it. Nothing would please me more yeah. than to be like so jacked about the magic. It it's is, like we're, man. We're going right back. It really, it's, it, there's, there's some secret sauce. I don't understand it, it but when, even like, I, you know, I grew up, my dad was a big Disney, he just loves Disney. And Annie, you know, she went a couple times, but she wasn't like overjoyed to go. Mm-hmm. And then we went and she's like, now I see why people are Disney families. So. Yep. I'm, I'm hoping that we're so overwhelmed by the mouse that. You know, we're our five year anniversary is coming up in May, so four months, five months after our visit, mm-hmm. that I can just say, you know what, Katie, cancel the Maldives. We're coming back. <laughs> Family trip to Disney World. Well, Maldives, eh? I don't know. Uh, we're we're also talking. You know, maybe we go to the Amalfi Coast. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna big time it. If I could, if I could I, throw another name into the hat, let me hear it. The uh, the French Polynesian Tahiti is mm-hmm. fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. We'll talk. The, uh, we'll, we'll talk again about yeah. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can power rank the yeah the romantic getaways. All right. You want to talk to me a little bit about uh, the the kid conundrum I'm facing here? I'd love to. I'd love nothing more. I don't even know that it's a conundrum. Maybe um 
I tried to parse this topic with my wife, and she thinks I'm probably a little too in my head, which, shocker, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's kind of where I'm at life in general, and then I'll narrow the lens. I realize what I'm about to say has some arrogance to it, but, you know, I'm I'm currently at a confident place in life, and so that's the way some of these things are going to come off. <laughs> I've kind of reached a place in the the few areas that I spend any time on at all anymore, which is basically whatever physical endeavor I'm interested in, whatever uh, I'm doing professionally. In this case, it's Cisco. Um, The writing and my family. And that's about everything. You know, there's there's a few things I slip in here and there. I'm kind of at a point where I think I could be great at any of them if I were to push all my chips in. Like, do I just want to be the best dad of all time? Do, do I want to be the CEO of Cisco? Well, do I really think I could make it there? There's so many breaks, right? But I don't think it's like, I don't think it's impossible if that became like an obsession. Yeah, right? yeah. There's certainly, there's certainly rungs I could climb. Uh, it's, you know, as you know, like I'd love to push it into the writing, but that comes with like the least obvious upside. Yeah. Like there's so it's all internal stuff. And then, you know, the the physicality stuff just it's whatever you want it to be. How healthy do you want to be? But that's more the hobby. So these last two days I have been on PTO. Uh we just got a new nanny and she went on vacation and we had a couple days where we didn't have coverage. So I just took PTO and I'll watch the kids. And because I was spending the entire days with them just by myself, Katie wasn't there, right? It's just like me and the kids. I felt this same gap I feel in all those other areas. It's like, well, I could be better at all these things, but I have to spread myself out. And now because my attention was fully on the kids, I noticed more than I had been the gap between what I am and what I think I could be at my peak as a dad. Mm-hmm. And I, it got me, I'll, I'll, before filling in too much color to that, it's like I do a pretty good job of when I'm with the kids, I bring a lot of energy, I play with them, I'm not like an overbearing type, like I kind of let them experience things, things we've talked about before. And I, I don't feel bad about how I am with them. But I'm starting to wonder if I have applied enough proactive thought to their their development resources I could give them. Like, for example, I've been pretty pleased with how quick Walter's been with, like, his letters and his sounds and, like, knowing, like, when he hears a word... He can tell you what letter it starts with. He's starting to pick up some like phonetic framework that he could start possibly reading off of. 
And it's like, man, if I had just really applied the attention, could could he already be reading? He's two and a half. Like, yeah. that's fast. But I I haven't even, like, thought about it or tried, right? And I don't know that he any of that is even necessarily, like, better. But right. it's all got me thinking, like, how much do I owe my kid? I don't think I'm responsible for whether... Walter or Winnie become good or great people, right? Ultimately, their life will be their own. Like, I'll, I'll do what I can. But I am, I don't know. Is this just a regular cycle that every parent goes through? I'm starting to... I think so, dude. To worry that maybe I'm spread in too many directions. Yeah. And I know what you like, mean. Well, you know, and I, and I sent you the um, the the daily daily dad, the one, and I don't know if I don't know if you subscribe to it or you read it daily or whatever, but there was one that basically said if you're thinking about these things, then you are doing the right things. Like the the people that aren't thinking about it, and surely there are people that they're saying you know they don't they don't you know they don't care or they don't know that they don't really. If if you're thinking about it and you're saying, well, could I do more? If you're taking some action around it, then yeah, you're you're doing the right things. Ultimately, there's no perfect way to raise a kid because each kid is, every kid is individual. They all have, you know, their own quirks and their own whatever, and every parent has their own quirks and interests and whatever. You and there's a dangerous line too where. If the whole your entire existence is the kids, it's only the kids. What they what they come out with time and time again is they turn eighteen, they go to college, they're like, "Peace, dude. Thanks for raising me. I love you. I'm going to college." One, you don't know what you're actually interested in. Two, you don't know who the person you are married to anymore. Right. And then all of that means there's resentment could creep in. Right. Because if you feel like, hey, I I did all this for you, I sacrificed all this for you, you now expect back from them. It's human nature. That doesn't mean you just let them go, you know, whatever. And I think you said something. I'll challenge you on it. I think we have more influence than we want to admit as to whether or not they become a good person. And arguably that's more important than their grasp of the English language or their ability to read. And that's just by our actions that we teach them. It's they're just watching us do stuff, how we interact with the male person, how we interact with a barista, right? How we interact with our spouse. You're probably overthinking it a little bit. Well, the watching us do stuff is a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. I. One of the arguments I made when Katie was first pregnant with Walter, and we were talking about should she keep working or not. And one of the arguments I made on the pro-work side, and I tend to do this. I argue both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so, See which one's more robust. Like, <laughs> it's like uh, which one. Yeah, it's part of the way that like I even figure it out. I'm the same like, way, man. 
I'm like I'm like me fighting me, but I'm just different versions of myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I was like, no, you need to keep working. It's yeah. like you know we could would have been fine either way. Um, but one of the arguments I made was like, I think being the best version of yourself is being the best parent. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean being like an omnipresent parent. And I think that's probably what I'm in my head about since I'm spending more time with them is like, man, I, I could do more for them, but that's not necessarily being the best version of me. And, you know, with, it's easy to draw a direct line with like Katie and Winnie, right? Like, Katie's been really successful in her work and like Winnie is going to see a mom who is not only like there for and attentive as a mother, but is also crushing it at the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like this, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but the fact that no one's ever asked me if I'm a stay at home dad. Yeah. A working dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My working dad or stay at home dad, like either one, like the concept is not something that they even had to play with. I would hope that by time, like, you know, when he's 25, 30, and like those, that she wouldn't even have to entertain the conversation. Right. Right. Like she has seen it executed. She can do whatever she wants. And I'm not, you know, look, it could have been true the other way too. That's a little bit of a false flag because like if Katie had stayed at home, like Winnie could still do whatever she wanted. In the sure. Future, right? No, I know but, what you mean, but it is, but you know, you, but your point is true. Like there is a direct role model who is, who is, you know, successful in business, not to, not to at all minimize what a stay at home mom does, which is a lot. Well, and my whole point to that was you, you don't need to think that my point are when I was talking to Katie from that perspective was you don't need to limit your capacity to just the kid to be a good mom, because being the best version of yourself and doing as much as you can without compromising the other areas is the best version of being a mom because they'll, they'll learn by seeing you do what you do. And so I do still believe that like, you know, part of the reason. So let me ask you this. So you see that when you tell Katie that, is there some reason that you have trouble believing that for yourself? I mean, I sound like a therapist right now. (laughs) I know I'm doing it right. I'm talking both sides again, get myself back into it. Well, like part of the reason I spend so much time on my physical health. One, like, does it make me feel better? Yeah, it does. But I'm I'm just kind of a believer that the way I treat my own body and like this the most immediate tool I have for experiencing the world and investing in it and giving it time is one of the best gifts I can give to my kids. Yeah. Because of Because of all, like, you know, losing over 70 pounds, um, being on the other side of cancer, like getting past 
a lot of drinking issues. Like having those things gone now and having what I think is a pretty healthy lifestyle now, it has lifted so much fog from my perception of the world. Like I'm more emotionally in tuned. I've got more patience for others. Um, I'm just a better person all around. And a lot of maybe some of that's just like general maturity, but like a lot of the emotions I didn't understand and wrestled with in my 20s have kind of vanished with just living cleaner. It's like a lot of that was was just static that mm-hmm. my body was wasn't processing. It's funny you say and that so too like, because I don't think I don't think people that if if you if they don't work out regularly it's hard to understand. It's like oh it's just working mm-hmm. out like but it but every person could stand if 20 to 30 minutes you don't have to kill yourself you don't have to go do a crossfit workout or run your fastest mile some movement in a day will shake the static out of your just st- shake the static out of your mental and emotional state 100% 100% yeah. i like uh, you know i have a couple of you know friends and uh i guess like my father-in-law and then some other like doctors that i know that would be you know a little bit older that's what the, a lot of their patients, they tell them, you know what you need to do? You need to, you know, walk for 30 minutes a night. The feelings you're having around X, Y, Z, walk for 30 minutes a night. And then come back to me in two weeks and tell me how you're feeling. So anyway, keep going, man. I, I, didn't, mean no, to, I didn't mean to harsh your flow there. No, that's really all I was getting. Movement is medicine. Yeah. Movement is the great healer. And if they can just see the results and hopefully they keep on bearing fruit, right? If I'm the type of person that, you know, they look up to and like if, you know, all this stuff, who knows, like we're, we're years away from it, but all this stuff about like Winnie's first comparison for the men she'll date is going to be me. Yeah. And like if I'm Walter's direct role model for what a man's supposed to be, like if I do those things well, they're going to see a one-to-one line with all the, you know, that I'm always, that I always have a physical goal in the churn along with my other life goals. Yeah. And they'll understand the way that those things interweave. And if they don't have to figure that out for themselves, they'll, they'll just not have to go through some aches that yeah. I experienced. And so I believe all that stuff, right? And I just, uh, I don't know. I think I, I think I just hadn't given them enough direct attention recently and was feeling like, man, am I, do I have a, do I have as good a plan around raising my kids as I do about running this marathon? Yeah. It's like, I don't know that I do. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, just candidly, and that seems out of whack, right? It's it just do, like it does, but I, you know, I mean, that's you running a marathon is a, is a straight line. Like what what you're doing has it's there's cause and effect. Like what you do, there, there's an absolute plan for execution. Now, barring injuries or whatever sicknesses with kids, it's just not that way, man. It just and it and it and it can't be. And if you're and if you're too uh, militaristic about your 
uh, how, what, what you're doing, how you're doing it, you actually defeat the reason you're doing it. Like lack of fluidity w- will end up being your, because look, you know, not f- for better or for worse, you know, my dad had a way of looking at the world and that was the only way to look at the world. And to go against that was a sin. It was, it was like, how dare you challenge that? And it does a disservice because I think it handicaps the, the kids' growth. Let them explore things. Let them figure stuff out. Be open. Well, probably my, I'm with you because I, I go to bed some nights and I'm like, man, I really, if I gave myself a grade on dadding tonight, I'm somewhere in like the C to D range. I wasn't as attentive. You know, I was a, I was a little bit shorter with the kids, you know. That's why that reminder, don't let a bad, don't let a bad day make you a bad dad. Like it's so simple, Mm. but you know, I even, even things like, you know, I have to, I'm in sales. I have to travel for work sometimes. Sometimes it's every other week. Not right now. Obviously I'm just home all the time forever, but (laughs) you know, it's, it is, it's, it's both difficult for, especially Everett. He's a little bit older. It's difficult for him to grasp. Well, why are you going to see these people? Why can't you just talk to them on the screen? And also understand, like, it's okay for, you know, for daddy to go, go meet people and, and, you know, I'm coming back just like it's, it's okay. And it's good for us to get together as guys and, and, and hang out and, you know, go to a football game or go to dinner or take your wife out to dinner. Like it's good for them to see that and understand, well, they're doing this for themselves and while I am the, you know, while I'm a huge contributing member of this household, I am not the only, you know, I'm not the, 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 the focus of the household. If I could say that without sounding like I don't like my kids, like I love my kids, I do anything for them. And we spend a lot of time doing stuff for them. But, you know, I think it was Garrett and, and our pastor said it too. It gets like, love God, love your spouse, love your kids. There's a hierarchy that keeps it all in order. So like I said, I'll go back to what I originally said. The fact that you're thinking about it means you're doing the right things. And yeah, you get hit with a dose of like two straight days of nonstop kids. It's both like fulfilling and enriching and exhausting. (laughs) It's like, all I want to do right now is hope they both go to sleep at the same time so I can sleep for 26 minutes. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, I think the the last wrinkle I'll throw to this, and it doesn't invalidate your point at all. In fact, I think it only strengthens it, is I think a lot of people put this false dichotomy. You, you referenced it a little bit there about like when you try to lay out these things you want for your kid and you're really like strict, like we're going to do it, right? Like think about the Earl Woods of it all. Yeah. Like you're going to be, this is what you're doing and I'm going to make you great versus the well it's just about experiencing childhood and like have fun and like there's time to grow up later and like that real loose style like we've we've spent a life in sales we know the two things don't contradict each other you walk into the room with a rock solid goal and game plan and knowing what you're walking out of the room with and yet, if you did it right, it all felt like jazz in there. Yeah. You know, you, 
you're you're talking about like I don't know the shoes they were wearing in high school, and somehow that is a an indirect line right where you wanted to go. Yep. And I think that's kind of more what I'm talking about is like if I had that that outcome rock solid, and it's tough because I don't really know what they are yet. The yeah. kids. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't really know how to qualify success with a child. And I feel a little bit cheated almost because it's like, it's kind of like what I was saying about the marathon. I ran it the first time and like, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And it's like, eh, whatever. But now like, I know what that goal is. I know exactly like what I'm doing to get there. And I feel like I'm probably going to get through this 18 years of parenting and I'll be like, hey, I'm okay with that effort. Very fulfilling. What an accomplishment. Yeah. And yet I could have, if I did it again. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm sure every parent has that. Look, I mean, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, especially with kids, our kids age, they just want to feel love. That's it. And they see yeah. that in so many different ways. And there's no real success metric. I mean, there. I don't know that there's really. I don't know that there's really a. Uh, I don't know. You know what I. John Wooden said: success equals peace of mind. And, I really think that's true. Yeah. And I think if anything, all I've uncovered is, like I said, it strengthens what you said from the daily dad all i've uncovered here is a little a little lack of peace of mind and i just need to apply a little bit of elbow grease check out the book series by john cena elbow grease great series yeah <laughs> if you're reading to your kids yep and i think i can get back to that peace of mind and like i'll figure it out but yeah yeah no, just I mean, hearing here just just hearing just getting like 30 minutes to talk it out. I'm already like, you know what? I'm yeah, look, I'm being too hard on yeah, it. Yeah, dude. And, and you know, you're in a, you're in a season or phase right now where you're really dedicated to your physical fitness. And so you start to float a little bit toward that buoy. Right. And you're like, well, I'm kind of far away from that one. I need a breeze. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's recentering, right? It's pulling yourself back to the middle so that everything is within. And sometimes it takes a, a healthy dose of being with the kids uh, to recognize that, but you're going to be all right. So, They're going to be all right. Sorry, Walter. I just don't have time for you until I can do 20 strict pull-ups <laughs> unbroken. You can hang on to my ankles if you want. Come on for the ride. Let's get there faster. Well, let's, hit, right. these, let's hit these segments. What do you think? Question of the week. I'm ready. And this isn't even a question. It's a fill in the blank. Easy. I want to thank myself for blank yeah it wasn't that easy <laughs> i was thinking through this today it was not that easy you want me to start i think i have a good place to yeah. go with this i'll start go for it um wh- where i landed with it was <clears throat> i'd like to thank myself for getting through today and not like today was particularly more difficult than yesterday or tomorrow will be or any day is you know, some day there are stressors in life and some days they come out at a left field and just knock you on your ass. 
but I'm thankful for my body and my brain and my, you know, to get me to the end of each day, feeling somewhat fulfilled, feeling some peace of mind. Um, and so, you know, I, as somebody who, who has experienced, you know, anxiety and depression, some days are like, oh man, you know, you made it through. You just, you got there. It was like riding a ship through a cloudy storm. Like it was tough, but you still made it through. You did the things you had to do. And so, you know, I think it's a good reminder for anybody in any state of mind, especially if you, if you do struggle with anxiety, depression in any capacity, you made it, you got through the day. And when you reflect on it, you did some good things. So I'd like to thank myself for that. Man. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. That self affirmation reinforcement. I mean, some, that. there are some days where it's like, you suck today, dude. Like you get to the end and you're like, that was not your best day. I'd like, I'd yeah. like a do over of that one. But, you know, th- that is dangerous grounds, you know, of, of walking into guilt and shame, isn't it? If you're, if you're beating up on yourself, It's the the classic, like, you know, if you came to me and told me about your day and you were like, man, I'm really having a rough one today. My instinct wouldn't be like, yeah, you suck today, dude. That was really bad. That was terrible. It'd be like compassionate and like, hey, man, let's look for the positives in this. You're here. You made it through. To be able to turn that to yourself, sometimes it's easier than other times, but damn, is it important to do. Yeah, whereas if you came up to me with your tough day, I'd just be like, two words, Tommy. Boot straps. <laughs> is it two words? Feels to me no, like a bootstrap is one word. It's a compound. <laughs> but for emphasis, I'd I'd break it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The uh I tend to ride the waves. A lot of ego when things are going good. Like I just like ride that high and build mm-hmm. You know, a confidence bordering on arrogance, as Gary Goldman would you? say. You? No. <laughs> and when things are bad, I grind myself into the uh-huh, dirt. Yeah. I'm just like, get it together. Yeah. Yeah. More humility. That's, I will not be thanking myself for that. Hopefully, <laughs> in a future date, I can. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, so I won't dwell on it too long, but I want to thank myself for my health. And I'll drill down on a particular aspect since I did talk about that. It uh, it has been over a calendar year um, since I've had any type of alcohol whatsoever. And not that I think it would necessarily be like a world ender if I had any booze at all but it's it's more of a a highlight on a on a peace of mind since I brought that up earlier in that I don't feel compelled in any way to bring in this thing that has been destructive to me in the past and I think there there's a lot of aspects of my health that aren't about like I'm doing healthy things all the time. It's that 
I'm call it discipline, call it satisfaction. I don't feel the need to reach for the destructive things. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs are playing Sunday night football. Doesn't start till eight thirty. Won't be over till closer to midnight. Guess what? I'll just uh, figure it out tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to bed. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh, I feel. I'm feeling a little like soreness in my calf. I'm supposed to run five today. Like this doesn't feel right. I'll cap it at two. I'll, right. I'll tack the mileage on somewhere else. Right. Like I'm. I'm kind of doing better at not having to prove something to myself. And yeah. I don't know what that is, but like there's something about like being a real fan or a real man or any of these these little roads where I'd make minor I would sacrifice my body for my identity. Yeah. And my identity is so much more forgiving than my body <laughs> that I, I feel good about that and I can, I can tell a difference in other aspects of my life. So I'll thank myself for that. Thanks for sharing. I like that. I'll thank you for sharing. Man, a lot of gratitude here. A lot of gratitude. We should go back and revisit episode episode. one of the looks like we're lost (laughs) podcast. We both went there. Here's my recommendations. I have one easy, I have two easy ones. First easy one. Cotton candy grapes. Interesting. Had never had them before. Never heard of them. Oh, man, oh, man. Are they delightful. They're green, so you're going to think, these are going to be sour. You take a bite, it literally tastes like cotton candy. It's incredible. Even the boys like them. Is this a GMO food? You know, I, I didn't even look. I just saw, I'd seen one person like post about them online before. And I was like, mm, I wonder if these actually taste like cotton candy. And Annie's like, ah, they're disgusting. My dad likes them. So we were in the local Wegmans. Some people might call it Wedgmans. There, they would be wrong. And I saw cotton candy grapes and I said, let's get these. Apparently they're really expensive. <laughs> that was what I got. The feedback I got online was that's why people don't buy them is because they're Got to give a kidney to get them. Well, but, or in your case, half a tennis shoe, half a sneaker, maybe maybe just the shoelaces. But uh, cotton candy grapes, get them, do it. They're de- they are absolutely delightful. the The second they... recommendation is, I I revisit the armchair experts a fair amount, and I'm going to recommend this one directly for you based on our conversation today but also anybody else who's interested. They had a uh, an interview with Harold Kopowicz. Harold Kopowicz. Um, he is a child psychiatrist. Um, and his... The stuff he talks about as far as, like, raising kids, being present for kids, tools for working with your kids in this 30 minute to 45 minute segment spot on it's fantastic he's got a book coming out called i had it pulled up let me see if i put it in my wish list let me see here i won't be able to find it oh we can put it in the show notes but anyway the conversation was delightful dax really does you know dax is sensitive to 
people claiming victim, uh, pe- people being put on, you know, things like Ritalin and, my, and, and drugs just for that. And he pushes against them and Harold's got some really good feedback around it. So anyway, if you have kids, if you're married or not, or thinking about having kids or adopting kids or whatever, it's a really solid listen. Um, one, it's probably one I'll go back and re-listen to because it was just that, it was that good. I got it. Founder of the Child Mind Institute. That's it. And good job with the name. Just reading that, I mean... Well, I mean, I did listen to the podcast, so... That's helpful. I was going to say, Polish, reading Polish names. Big, big weak spot in the... That's that CZ. That CZ is a real tough one. Yeah. (laughs) What you got for me this week? All right. Um, Man... Both doing podcasts here. Uh, this is a very specific. Um, the Ryan Rossillo podcast, but not actually all of it, unless that's just your thing. But at the end of every episode, him and his two producers do life advice. And it's just write-ins from people with all sorts of ridiculous issues. And, you know... Some of them are as smarmy as, hey, me and the buddies were at an Airbnb and we had strippers there every night. One of the guys got busted. All the wives are finding out what's the play here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and some of them are, are really great around like, you know, some, it can be absolutely anything. Savings. Um, my kid's going through a hard time. What do I do? And it's always entertaining, usually surprisingly insightful. Uh, for those who don't know who Ryan Rossillo is, he was an ESPN on-air talent for years, did a radio show with Scott Van Pelt, and he's, he's often stereotyped as just kind of like a meathead. And he plays that, uh, he kind of plays that to the tilt, to the hilt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you hear him giving some life advice, I think he does an incredible job of not being judgmental. But because the situations are always so out there, it's always entertaining. And then his producers, one's like a guy like you or me, married dude, you know, probably mid to young 30s. Seems to be like, seems to be a stand-up guy. It's probably more like you than me. Mm-hmm. And the other producer is like me at age twenty-six. <laughs> he's, he's had some. He's gone through some stuff. Yeah. He's done some things he's not proud of, but he's not afraid of sharing those experiences <laughs> to help out with the life advice. And I, I have just been really pleased with that segment, and I look forward to it about as much as anything on podcasts. And interesting, it's little, it's like fifteen to twenty minutes at the end of every episode. It's you not just fast forward list, to the so. end of it. Yeah, if sometimes if it's if I like what's going on in the notes, I'll listen to a full Rosillo episode. Yeah. But almost always, I don't listen to anything. I just see, oh, new episode. Whoop. Drag the <laughs> drag the timer to that. That time stamp and let's do this. Love it. Good recommendation. So, yeah. With, you know, I like uh, I like calling out the competition for audio time. <laughs> why not, man? 
here's a quick uh, one minute question for you. I have a buddy who asked me if I'd ever read Atlas Shrugged. <clears throat> to which I obviously replied, zero percent chance. As slow as I read, that will be a life's work. Um, but it's long. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. He said, "Oh no, I just finished it on uh, on Audible. It's like fifty six hours or something insane." Yeah. Did, did you read it or did you audiobook it? I went. Uh, I went old school. Such, Turn the pages. You're insane. He he just said, he's like, I don't want to ruin anything for you, but the fact that this person had such a grasp on the future written in the time that they wrote it is absolutely insane. And he recommended that I give it a listen. Now that, I mean, 56, I'm going to have to renew it Libby like 15 times to get through that. But I'm willing to do it if it's worth it. Is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Um, Ayn Rand gets unfairly characterized in a lot of modern media. Look, she she was on board for some crazy stuff, but I knew nothing about Ayn Rand when I read that book. And she mostly gets maligned because she's such a hardcore capitalist and she's so driven by self-interest. Um. But both of those things aren't, I don't think they're untrue in the way that she writes about them. Okay. And the reason that book has always gotten so much heat for, from supporters and detractors alike is there's some hard, hard truths that it might champion more than some people would, would like them to, but it will it will change the way you think about some things. Interesting. Ooh, I'm scared. I'll, I'll probably leave it this. Yeah. Damn Price, it's probably like his least favorite book ever. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. But, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's kind of like, it's it's not that, I mean, this is almost literally blasphemous, but it's kind of like if you weren't religious at all, it's like, is it worth my time to read the Bible? It's like, look, how many people is this impacted? Like, there's some stuff in there you need to be aware of. Yeah. Like, you should spend some time on the Bible. Atlas Shrugged is kind of like that, and the fact that, like, there's a reason everyone knows it, even people who never read are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's definitely worth the time. 56 hours. Look, right. uh, I won't lie to you. An audio listen, I don't know how that's going to stick. Hopefully you got a good performer. There's one part of the book that is seriously like a 100-page monologue. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be. Yeah. I'm interested to hear how this goes. We're going to see. Uh, I, I think we'll, we'll talk we'll about see. it two years from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a slow listener, too. Listening to it on half speed just to get all, just to get all the context, but... Gosh, that'll be the mother of all recommendations when it comes. Oh, <laughs> so much to talk about. Well, dude. Dude. Always oh, a pleasure. Always. Always. Always.